welcome into the Leadership Legacy Podcast, where we interview influential leaders who learn the why and how they turn their passions into progress that set them on the path to leaving their legacy. to the show. This is episode number 24, and I have the pleasure of sitting with Warbloggle of Warbloggle.com. Warbloggle, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Man, I, I appreciate you taking some time out of a busy day. We were just talking earlier about all the things you got going on. We got football season starting uh, very soon. Uh, I think nine days down is your countdown on, on Twitter with the, with the players' numbers. That's, that's right. Nine is Cam Martin and Jamie and Sherwood. Man. Cam Martin, running back. Jamie Sherwood, freshman, defensive back. That's right. Man, I'm, ex- I'm excited for some football. We got a big first game. We'll talk about Auburn Athletics, um, obviously, uh, a little bit later in the show. But tell us a little bit about your story. And where did where did you grow up, and where did the love of Auburn come from? Well, I grew up in Opelika, Alabama, so 10 minutes from Auburn. Uh, both my parents went to Auburn. Uh, my grandparents were Auburn fans. So, like most people in this state, you kind of you don't really have a choice. It was put on you uh, as soon as you were born or before you were born. You know, growing up around here, I was always you know big into Opelika Bulldogs and and Auburn Tigers, which is always kind of weird because Auburn High School is my rival as an Opelika graduate. Auburn University is not. It's kind of hard to explain that to the kids, yeah. but you know, <laughs> just grew up being close and and loving it, and went to Auburn uh, back in 2000 2004. Took a, you know, my, my major is computer science, so it was based around computers, stuff, programming, being around the computer all the time, and just, you know, kind of out of, out of college, I want to say maybe five or six years after I graduated, well, maybe three or four years, me and a buddy that I was actually went to high school with and was in the same major at Auburn with, we decided we were going to do an Auburn blog, and, you know, threw out a WordPress site and, and wrote about three things, and then I was the homer, and he was, he was the realist, if you want to call him that, so I was the guy who was... Every, hey, our Auburn basketball team's won four games this year, but we're actually really good, yeah. that kind of thing. That was that was me. We actually got in an argument about that. He didn't want me to be a homer, or he didn't like something that I'd written about homerish, and we kind of just decided not to do it anymore. We were like, all right, we're not going to do a blog. Well, when football came, football season came around, it was around the 2007 or 8 season, I just I asked him if he, if he minded if I could do the site myself. He said, no big deal. So I started doing it, and I would. And this was kind of still early in sports blogging, and this was before Twitter and all of that. And I would just kind of do my own thing. I would predict games and and things like that, and probably have two people reading it a day, and that was probably me and my mom. But just kind of, I'm stubborn about things like that, and I just kept doing it, just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it building it up. And then Twitter hit. I was. I don't see this as a brag, but I was the first Auburn website on Twitter of of any kind. Whether it was a whether it was Rivals or twenty four seven sports or anything like that, I was just the first to jump on it. That's not to say I'm better than them in any way, but I I was just the first to jump on it because I was, as I said, always at a computer programming, building sites, doing whatever. Got on Twitter, and that gave me the ability to promote my site a little bit more. Um, so people jumping on Twitter though would see warbloggle.com and they would see Auburn blog, and so. My thought on this is that they thought I was some official Auburn outlet of sports news, maybe even Auburn. 
I think that was part of what kind of what got me going is that I, I was like the only option on Twitter for Auburn sports, Auburn news. And considering I'm not working for, for Auburn or a site that really has to care about being nice and being PC, sports related PC, uh, um, I think people like that part of it, that I would talk about Alabama and make fun of Alabama fans and things like that. The normal things that the fan does. So I think they like that piece of it. So, I mean, that that start that was kind of the start of it being more than my mom reading the site. And around 2010, when Mr. Cam Newton showed up, Auburn was all over the news. Auburn was all over everything. And that's just when it blew up. That's I was writing a bunch about that, being really candid about it, being very sarcastic as I am, um, and just, you know, giving a voice of the fan, I think, uh, rather than the beat report reporters that have to do their job and it's a fine job, but rather than, you know, just keeping it by the book, I was able to say, well, no, this is Danny Sheridan. You're an idiot. That kind of thing. You're, you're out there putting fake news out there. Fake news. I hashtag. Um, that's just kind of when it blew up. Um, and then it's gone up and down since then. When Auburn's good, the site is good. When Auburn's bad, nobody cares and they don't want to read about it. Uh, but that's just how it is. Um, so I think I just went through my whole spill of, of the history of war blog. I'm not sure that's what you wanted yet, but it's, no, that's great. Um, and you know, one of the one of the funny things that I like about you know following you on Twitter, I mean, is the the kind of description of of, of your Twitter handle is a place for Auburn talking banter. I delete all conversational tweets just to make you mad. Yes, you. I love that. I mean, I think people you know like the realness of people are pissed sometimes when when things go wrong and they want to have an outlet to talk about it. And you know, your weekly blog spots where you get out there and you talk to you talk to everybody that's listening, and you know, you complain about things, and you and then you also help us people who are realists, you know, really kind of realize, hey, you look, you know, actually they are pretty good. Where maybe we have too too high of an expectation of you know whatever whatever team's playing or whatever season of athletics it is. And so it's fun to uh, it's fun to listen to those blogger spots, and it's fun to you know to watch you kind of call other people out, like Danny Sheridan or the the Bammers or the haters, and just you know be sarcastic and just it's out there for everybody to see. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean that's I was thinking about that the other day. It, that's kind of how I am, just as a person. I, I don't Andy Kaufman, the guy that you know the Jim Carrey movie Man on the Moon. He it was about Andy Kaufman, the the comedian that was just kind of somebody who liked to rile people up, and he would not give it up ever. Like he just never gave up the joke, and that's really kind of how I feel that I I run at least my site. In the real world, I'm not really like that. I'm not totally confrontational. If the, if there's a reason to have a confrontation, I will. But I usually shy away from com- from confrontation, or at least I'm just very laid back. But that's the thing about social media is it kind of lets you be the real you, um, whether that's a good thing or bad thing. I've been called a keyboard warrior and things like that, where I'll say all these mean things, I guess you could call them. And people are like, well, you wouldn't say that if, if you were standing right in front of you. Probably not. But that's just part of the, the game of Twitter and the game of social media. It's just almost like an alternate identity. I, I've, I've tried, I've, I don't know. I guess I've just been that way my entire life. I, I never really call myself a writer in any way and I don't really like writing a lot I don't really like writing long pieces and I don't really write as much long stuff anymore but I was thinking back in high school uh, in 11th grade we used to have to write persuasive pieces and I remember one I wrote was about nice guys finishing last Uh, and I was calling myself a nice guy and and I was basically calling out girls 
for liking bad guys and liking the guys who were, whether this is you or not, not you, but whoever we're talking to, um, <laughs> what the guys who were out getting drunk every weekend at 16 years old and doing all the, the bad guy stuff. I was like, why are you liking those guys? And I was friends with most of those people, but I just didn't, I didn't do that stuff. But I remember we had to read it in front of the class. And so I was reading it. And then I go sit down and I've got 10 guys staring at me like they want to beat me up. And that's what I kind of feel like Twitter is and Warblog is. I'll say the things to rile people up or to purposely rile people up. And at least with the social media anonymity, that's a fun word, um, you can kind of get away with it a little bit more. It, it, um, it's got to be fun to put something out there and just sit back and watch people just like go nuts at each other. Not necessarily at you, but... If somebody agrees, there's going to be somebody that disagrees, and they're going to retweet or they're going to comment on Facebook or on the site. It's fun just to be, like you said, just rile things up and just let it go. It kind of reminds me you're like the uh, you're like the Paul Feinbaum show of 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 Auburn. Yeah, that people people rip on on Feinbaum all the time. You know, say he's he's a terrible person. Why is he doing this? He's ruining sports. He's a millionaire. Yeah. And he's not doing it. It's not illegal. What it, what he's doing is not illegal. It's not immoral. He's just doing a job, and, and obviously it works. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I fashion myself after him, but or I, I've thought of it that way. But if I want to be successful, if we if we talk about making money in a, in a type of success or making this a job in a type of success, then I don't see a reason not to do that. It. Since I've been fortunate enough to build this platform with Auburn success and all of that, could I use it for good things? Yes, kind of. But I don't think that's what people want to come to Warbloggle for. They want to see the fun side of sports. They want to talk. They want to have some banter. They want a release from everyday life. Um, and so I try to – I'm very sarcastic. I'm very kind of dry in my tweets, and a lot of people don't get it. Yeah. They they do not get it. It goes over their head. They think I'm dead serious, um, but that's just part of it. I, I, I feed off of that, and that may be a problem, <laughs> but I feed off of people not getting the joke sometimes yeah. uh, and then in themselves becoming the joke. Yeah, because um, you can turn it around. Like somebody's like, are you serious? Or they, they comment, and they you know they totally didn't get it. Then you can just kind of blast them a little bit, all in friendly fun, you know? Right, exactly. So – it, it was a hobby. It was just a thing I did. It's still a hobby. I mean, it's not my day job. It's just something I kind of do on the side. And I've been fortunate to get some experiences out of it and, and a little bit of money. Nothing to uh, nothing that'll feed a family or anything. But that's not why I do it, though. It, it's it's just my love of sports. My love, it, is, it has changed the way I am. It's, the, it's changed the way I, I think. It's changed the way I interact with people. Just because I'm interacting with hundreds of people every day of all different size, shapes, creeds, religions, whatever, and it's, and I'm, I'm glad it's happened. I'm glad it's there, but it's definitely shaped who I am today because I was not this way ten years ago, in some in some respects. Well, talking about the social media world and, and customer service, I mean, you know, you, you're providing a free service. I mean, people can't complain about, you know. Well, people are going to complain about what you write, no matter if it's free or not. Um, but uh, what are some? So over over that those ten years, what are some of the skills that you've learned to deal with that angry follower or that troll? You know, somebody that's just not happy. You're not going to be able to make them happy. Um, any stories stand out um, that you'd like to share or or reference from a from a past tweet or a Facebook post? <laughs> well, I mean, 
the easiest way on social media is to get rid of somebody is to just block them. But I don't do that. I, there have been some some cases where you've got people where you actually feel like they're about to show up at your front door. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's been, it can be scary. I mean, there's people who knew my kids' names and I had no clue who they were and stuff like that. Because there's people that are always going to take it too far. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I try not to block people just because I don't like seeing what they said. I don't see any reason for that. It's social media. The word social is there for a reason. Uh, you should be talking. And if you don't want to talk, just don't talk back to them. I don't know if there's a specific example, but my my approach, I guess, is just to let them keep going. A lot of times, uh, well, I'll say this, let them keep going. And if it, if it doesn't get resolved, then I invite them to my tailgate. Okay. And I've actually had people that I don't like or that didn't like me come to my tailgate. And we're all good. Yeah. Like, for, for example, if there was an equal and opposite person to me on the Alabama side, he doesn't do a website, and he, his following is not near as big as mine because he's an Alabama fan. Yeah. But Hunter, Hunter L. Johnson on Twitter. Call it about. I if, love it. If, if, if I only knew him from Twitter, you would just want to sit there and punch the screen all day. But he came to my tailgate once. We realized we're pretty much the exact same person. We just have different fan allegiances, and now we're friends. And that happens all the time. It could even be as simple as taking a conversation from a public social media spat to direct message and just being like, hey, man, whatever whatever problem you have, this is just sports. And then after that, they're a completely different person. I mean, it's very simple to just get caught up in seeing one sentence on Twitter and then just blowing up and going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and acting like children. But then, as soon as you just kind of take it to a semi-personal level, it it they the people just completely change. I mean, they are they are one hundred percent a different person. And it's just like, yeah, man, I get it. I I know I shouldn't have gotten mad. I mean, I do the same thing. Oh yeah, um, I think we all do. And like you, you, like you said, when you hide behind that, when you hide behind the keyboard, you know, if you don't take it to a personal level, then you know you're kind of missing out on, on what could be a, a long-term friendship or, you know, a collaboration down the road, you know, especially for other fanatics, fan bases, you know, that are doing the same kind of thing as you're doing on the Auburn side. So that's a that's an interesting aspect for sure. I mean, really, and I, I met Paul Feinbaum once at SEC Media Days, and it was weird because that week I had posted this video. Somebody videoed him in an Alabama classroom saying that Auburn – was run like a Ponzi scheme or something like that. And so I posted on my site and it was a big thing on his, on his show for a few days. Mm-hmm. And so I went up to him that week at SEC media days and, his, and I was like, Hey Paul, I'm, I'm more bloggle. And he like kind of rolled his eyes. And he's like, Oh, you're going to be mad at me. And I was like, no, I'm really not. It doesn't matter. And he just said, he just kind of like, yeah, you know, it really doesn't. None of this matters. It's just sports. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fun, fun thing to take too seriously. Um, now, I take it extremely seriously, and it bothers me and affects me all the time, yeah. whether it's me coaching baseball or just watching football. But it's just sports, and it's just it's very easy to get caught up in that and make make it a personal thing to where if you know somebody who's go, who goes to Auburn and is talking bad about Alabama, you want to fight them. But if you just turn it into a pers- uh, an actual personal conversation, that goes away. You've got to kind of see it also – when you're, if you're building a site like this and you want it to be a real thing, you want it to be a business, it, it is a business. So you kind of have to get rid of some of those hatreds like Hunter L. Johnson 
I wanted to punch him in, in the Twitter face yeah. five years ago, but we've been on podcasts together now and we actually help each other out. It's like, I wouldn't say it as a, he's a competitor. He's just kind of like another person doing the same thing I'm doing in the same space. And so you can kind of take advantage of those people, not of those people, take advantage of those relationships uh, with people that you may just not totally agree with about everything. So you mentioned that you know Warblog wasn't a, isn't your full time job, and we've had we've actually had the uh, we've had the the opportunity to work together in the professional environment uh, for several years, and uh, have since gone our have since gone our separate ways on that. Uh, but now kind of working a little bit together on on a few uh, freelance things, and so you've got you've got a ton going on. You're you know there's a new uh, app that you're promoting now as well with a with another organization. What's the hardest thing for you? And keeping up the the war bloggle side while also you know making sure that the bills are paid and the the kids get fed and they've got clothes and, and stuff like that. What's the hardest thing? I mean, it, it's the simple answer is just juggling it all. The hardest thing is just to give each one its deserved piece. I guess you could say. Yeah. Obviously, my real job has to be the number one thing in terms of where the money's coming from. Yeah. Um, but also, like I mentioned, I coach baseball. I'm obviously a dad of two kids, husband. That all has to be there as well. I am fortunate to work from home now, so a lot of that is is covered. It's not like I'm away all the time or away at work for eight hours a day. I'm here. I go pick up the boys from school, and I've got all of that. So I feel like that part is, is just covered as normal, everyday family stuff. But then, you know, I'm not ashamed to say back in the day when I was trying to build Warbloggle, if I didn't have a lot to do at work, I was working on Warbloggle. Yep. Sorry, two or three employers ago, but I was, I would write something here and there. I mean, I wasn't sitting there building a website, but I'd write a few paragraphs or I'd tweet and things like that. So that was, that balance was kind of something I've had to learn for over a decade now. But yeah, I mean, it, it with, I don't just have family life, day job, and then a side hobby anymore. It's family life, baseball every night, a day job, war bloggle and then working with you and working with another company as well so it, it is it's tough it's just I, honestly i don't know if i'm going to be able to handle all this because a bunch of these are brand new things um i've always been kind of one of those people that doesn't ever say no i'm not going to do this or like if i've got five things i'm not going to say okay if i take away one of them everything will get better i try to make it all work yeah. um I'm and so way. far yeah i mean so far there none of those have there's been no detriment, I guess, to the other ones yeah. um, by work by taking on another. Um, yeah. Obviously, with Warbloggle, if I wanted it to be my job, I could spend a lot more time on it. I could I could afford to hire some people, you know, hire maybe some more writers, hire uh, people to kind of manage the social media, other than my conversational tweets and things like that. Um, but that's just something that's that part I think is too much right now for me to even try to do. I have gotten, uh, two guys, I, w I won't call them interns, uh, but just two guys that want to help out and just kind of want to learn how to do blogging. So they have, they're going to start helping me this, this fall, uh, with writing a little bit, but I don't know. It's just juggling. It is it Give, giving each piece enough so that it can, that it can survive. And then, when one is done, maybe you can ramp up the time spent on one of those that is kind of hurting. Um, Absolutely, so. that's a that's a that's a good way to put it. It's kind of like the debt snowball, where you're, the debt is the time that you have 
that you can then use to something else. So you talked about interns there. That's that's pretty awesome. What do you what when you're looking for an intern or and this I guess this is recent, you know, what do you what do you look for in, in somebody that you're gonna bring on to kind of help you and to kind of be kind of the face of, of your business as well? Well, I mean, it's it's not really fair because I mean, honestly, I've tried this many times. I've tried probably three or four times in the last year to get some people. And Warblog was kind of like my, my baby. You know, I built it. I've pretty much done everything on it. I've had some writers here and there, and I've had some graphic design help, but I've pretty much built everything with it. And so it's it's hard for me to have this feeling of giving some of it away, whether it's doing that or not. But I don't know. It, it's not what I was going to say was it's not fair to the people I'm looking for, honestly, because I'm so stringent and anal about what I want. I need somebody who's going to be there when I say, hey, write this real quick. Yeah. Or, hey, can you tweak this real quick? Something like that. And it's, like I said, it's not fair. I'm dealing with other people who have other, who have lives and things like that. But really, I'm looking for somebody, A, who has a major Auburn connection, whether they went there or their family went there or they just love Auburn for whatever reason. I'm looking for someone who can form a complete sentence and knows when to use commas <laughs> and semicolons and all that. Um, because that's something I'm big, big on as well. I'll go back and read blogs from eight years ago, and I'll see that I missed a word, and I've got to go in there and finish it, knowing that somebody's probably never going to read that thing again. Yeah. But it's just something that bothers me. Um, like I mentioned before, when I was getting started, I wrote every day, and so I was really stubborn about it. But I'm, it, it, that's still here. I'm stubborn about everything on the site. I don't like anything out of place, looking bad, sounding bad. So I'm looking for somebody basically who has those same feelings, whether they have them, they have those feelings themselves about their own thing or that they're able to understand why I'm that way and they can keep it up themselves. So I guess that's probably, I'm looking for someone like me or better than me, but yeah. stubbornness and attention to detail beyond anything else, I guess. Yeah. I think that's important. And you know, you mentioned somebody smarter than you, you know, I was, somebody told me on a past episode, you know, if you're not always growing, if you're not always surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you, this is actually uh, last last week's episode with Jeffrey Whitaker. He said, if if you're the smartest person in the room, you don't have anything else to learn, and you know then you'll start you basically kind of regress. And so if you're if you're always learning, always you know kind of get people around you that that know more than you can always be learning and. You know, hey, have an intern that knows more than you about you know writing, about tweeting, about uh, social interaction, and, you know, maybe uh, more podcasting or, or video stuff. And you never know where the power of two extra people can help may take World Blogger down the road. It, it's hard for me, honestly, sometimes to feel like I don't know how to do something in this space because just because I've I've built it and I've been doing it for ten years now. Mm -hmm. But times are always changing. There's always something new whether you agree with it or not um i don't use a lot of emojis in my tweets but now you can't read a tweet that doesn't have 20 emojis in it and it's yeah. like that's just one thing that i've kind of got to get used to because it, it's it's the way people interact on twitter now they don't want to see a lot of words they want to see images videos things like that one thing i remember i want to say about four or five years ago twitter was was pretty much all words. You could put a, po a picture out there, but it was always wonky about how it worked. Sometimes, depending on what client you were on, it didn't show. But it got to the point where Twitter handled images, and I read something that basically said, it doesn't even matter if the, tw if the image makes sense, put it on the tweet because it'll stand out a little bit more because there's something for them to look at. 
Yeah. Um, so things like that are are those new new uh, approaches that you got to be able to accept and adapt and, and grow with. Like I said, I I'm not. 25 anymore i'm 36 when i was 25 i was up to date on the newest things i had more time i had no kids i had a lot of time to to figure it out and do it my way i can't keep doing it that way because it, it everything has changed and i've got to be able to accept maybe younger honestly younger uh i don't want to say criticism but younger advice on how to, how things should be done so that is part of kind of me taking on these younger intern so that they they are able to keep up and understand the current state of social media. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the cool thing about that too is then you can turn around and and you know give them. It's kind of a two way street where they're they're kind of helping you by saying, hey, this is the newest and the best, the best and the latest and the greatest. But then you have that ability to kind of teach them and kind of hone their skills on the content side and the grammar side and. And just the the business side of what you've been doing for the last ten years, so it's like a it's a mutual it's a mutual benefit. So that's that's cool. That's that's one thing that that we're looking into with with my company is you know trying to find a couple of interns that are you know young that uh, have the social media game down because I mean it's hard to sell us as a service organization you know a cust- you know customer service services industry. It's hard to market yourself if you don't have a you know a specific product you're trying to sell, and you know mm-hmm. you're selling a, a long-term, ongoing, recurring cost service. And so, trying to you know leverage the young crowd and try to figure out how you know that can work into our business is, is something that something that I've been pondering for a while. So, what does the word failure mean to you? Is it a is it a bad word? Do you look at it as oh my gosh, I'm never gonna get you know I'm never gonna get past this, or you embrace it and you know maybe look for the deeper meaning behind it? Um, this may sound cliche, but I see failure as a challenge. Honestly, I'm the kind of person that when someone says, I, I will never forget when I was first starting out, I posted the link to my site on al.com's college football forum. And the first response I got was get your baby website out of this grown up space or something like that. It was basically just saying I had a childish nothing website and that is always stuck in my head. And so Really, kind of since then, I've just kept thinking about things like that where people, uh, you know, whether they tweeted that I was nothing or that I was trying to be a writer and I, I wasn't or things like that, that, it's always just kind of been a challenge that, that keeps me going. And that's, that's always how I've been. Whether it's sports, grew up playing sports, if we ever lost, if our team was terrible, I saw that as a challenge, always. I'm a very competitive person. Uh, my mom has always, or has said before, that I should probably be in sales, which I'm not, just because that can be seen as a competitive thing as well. You're always competing for the next sale, competing against other salesmen. And so that's where the I take that failure, use competitiveness towards it, and make that a challenge. I don't see, I mean, obviously you're going to have that immediate bad thought or that immediate bad feeling, uh, but then you've got to be able to turn that around immediately and say, I can do better, or what can I do to be better? I feel like that could be all that was read off of a, crocheted pillow or a cross stitch pillow. Uh, but it's a, it's a challenge to me. I, I don't, I move on. I remember it. I don't forget about it. I remember it and use that to, to prove that failure wrong. I, I love that. I mean, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people look at failure and they, they, they die by that word or they get up, give up by that word. But the people that are mo- the most successful in life have just gone through a failure, learned from it and, and done something different the next time. 
it, it's so important to, to use to use failure as a stepping stone and not a, a stumbling block. What's your advice to someone who's who might be wanting to start a, a blog, getting into the blogging world? Any resources or any advice you could you could share with with somebody like like if if I said, "Hey, we're blog, I think I can do this Auburn Auburn Twitter thing." You know, what's some advice? What would you tell me? Um, I would say first, and like this word keeps coming up, but be stubborn in that you're never you're not going to give up just because you tweet something and it gets one like and no retweets because that you can't nobody really loves going to a site or a Twitter account whether it's great or not nobody's going to go to it and obviously stay there a long time if there's only two posts there uh, they'll move on or they'll say oh this is new this is not a founded website or a founded Twitter account I'm not saying post gibberish just to have something there but just keep going with it Put as much stuff out there as possible and appear, whether you may be or not, appear to be a founded, grounded, you know, full website. In terms of, of sports, I would read every article you possibly can. That's that's kind of where I think people thought I was a real writer or a real resource or a real whatever. Not to say that I was stealing information or content, but I was always 100% up to date on where the football team was. Who's hurt? Who's this? Who's that? The beat reporters have that job. That's their job to get that initial information out of the, out of the athletic department. And what I did was I, I took that information, put it in my own style, wrote about it, added my, my spin to it, added sarcasm, added humor, added entertainment to it. That that kind of propelled me because I wasn't the boring, this person was hurt today. He should be out two weeks. I would say, well, dang it, he's not going to be there for the Alabama game or something like that. But, you know, like, Make it a little more real and personable and entertaining. So I guess that's it. Be stubborn, write a lot, be entertaining, and read everything. Yeah, don't give up. Just keep going. Yeah, that's right. one of the things when I first started this podcast. You know, a couple of people listened to it and I'm like, ah, I'm gonna keep going because it's good. It's good information for me. I'm learning. And as the episodes keep going, this is episode 24, and we've got thousands of people that have listened to this, and it's it's just pretty fun to to see you know to see those numbers keep going up, and you know so. Like like you said, uh, just just keep going. You know, if it's if it's good content, they'll people will find it eventually, and it'll blow up on you. Well, I've got one last question that I ask everybody, and um, you know, this kind of deals with more of a uh, introspective look on your life. And when you when you look at the end of your life, when it's time to when it's time to leave this earth, time to leave this life to go on to the next life. When you look down on your family and your friends and community, all those trolls that follow you on Twitter and Facebook and all the people that have engaged with you and actually, you know, that you've formed lifelong relationships with, what do you want them to remember you by and what's that legacy look like? Well, when I was in, when I was in high school, I was kicked out of class one time ever. My senior year of high school, I got kicked out of class. The reason was the teacher, Dr. Hannah, asked us, we were studying the Renaissance period. He was our uh, English teacher. And he asked me what a renaissance man was. And I raised my hand and I said, Danny DeVito. <laughs> because he was in that movie, Renaissance Man. And I, I've never seen the movie, but I just remembered that. And he looked at me and he said, get out. 
what I kind of want to be remembered as, and I know there's these answers of I want to be a, a great father and all of that. I think all of those are obviously they're they're the top, and but they are also understood. I mean that that's what I want to be: great, loving husband, great father, all of that. But in terms of just me as the person, I kind of want to be known as a Renaissance man. In in ways, it hasn't been a good thing, but I like to know how to do a lot of different things. I like to be able to do a lot of different things. Now, that doesn't give me the ability to focus on something and just become like an awesome guitar player. I'm a pretty decent guitar player or um, or become, you know, only right and just be an awesome writer. I think I'm a decent writer. That doesn't mean I want to be a bunch of decent things to, to create this renaissance man that I want to be. I feel like I'm I'm really good at playing the drums, decent at guitar, decent at writing, really good at making people mad on Twitter. So, I mean, it's got to, I kind of just want to be hand, you know, a lot of these little different things, whether I'm awesome at it or okay at it. I just want to be known as somebody who can, who could have done a lot of things. You know, I coached baseball, I played baseball, but I was also in the drum line. So I was kind of like mixture of jock sports guy and band nerd, if you want to be honest. So played the drums, played baseball. I wrestled, I coached baseball, I write, I tweet, I play guitar, I play drums. There's some other things I could do in there. I love science and love planets and space and all of that kind of stuff. Aliens. Um, I, I knew you were about to say that. I, aliens. I love thinking about aliens and if there's life other, everywhere else. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of what I want to be remembered as, as the type of person, I guess. Again, obviously, I want to leave a legacy with my two boys. Nothing against daughters at all. I would be 100% fine with having... 15 daughters and no boys, but I kind of feel like as, as the male of my family, I've got a little bit more responsibility to create and put out two more males that are a lot better than me. So since that's, that's what I am and that's what they are. So I just kind of feel that responsibility. Um, and then obviously I want my wife to know that I loved her, but more than anything and, and, and all of that, I guess that's it. I mean, I just, I like to be known as someone who could do a lot of things. Man, that's awesome, man. Um, I appreciate your time so much today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, this is your host, Tony Oravet of the Leadership Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this past episode. It would mean the world to me if you would go and rate this podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. Show notes and information on today's guest are on leadershiplegacy.show. 